This is Byron Akihito, Editor-in-Chief, ThirdCertainty.com. We're at RSA Security Conference 2016 in San Francisco. I'm sitting here with uh, Kurt Stamberger, who is the CMO for a uh, vendor called Fortscale, security vendor called Fortscale. Uh, but also, he has a history with this show that we're sitting in. You were involved way back when in getting this thing off the ground, weren't you, Kurt? Yeah, actually, I founded the RSA conference back in 1991 with Jim Bidzos and, and ran it for almost 10 years. And uh, we're now actually at the 25th anniversary. The 25th anniversary. What does that mean <laughs> for you? I, I don't think any of us could possibly imagine that the RSA conference would become the monster that it is. I mean, even... In 2000 and 2001, when we were getting 10,000 people and several hundred vendors here, I don't think we could have imagined it would have grown to thousands of vendors and 40,000 attendees from over 100 countries around the world. Yeah, I think um, I've been coming for about 10, 11 years. I think it was three years ago when I came down the escalator, turned left, and I go, wow, oh, they killed the keynotes. They shrunk the conference. Now it's Bruce. <laughs> Actually, it was you had blown up into the north end and over to the west. Right, exactly. So now they now they uh, actually occupy all three halls, and I'm not involved in in planning the conference anymore. But uh, they have just done a spectacular job with it. Yeah, I just got back from a, a wonderful luncheon for the 25th anniversary of the public key cryptography standards uh, with Jim Bidzos and Dr. Ron Rivest and Dr. Whit Diffie and some of the the, the real celebrities and just the, the, the folks that laid the foundation for modern internet security and electronic commerce, and that was very satisfying to, to sit in that room with that group of 40 or 50 people. Yeah, I can imagine so. And here we are, right in the heart of all this technology that's being brought to bear on the problem of cybersecurity threats, which has not gone away, you know, it's as we've increased our use of the Internet and digital age has advanced. <laughs> and so. after being employee number six at RSA, here I am again, uh, employee number, I don't know, 27 at a little startup no. called Fortscale. Yeah, so let's go from the macro <laughs> down to the micro. <laughs> Fortscale, you guys are doing some very interesting stuff, and we'll just zoom right down to that level. You're actually, you go in and you help organizations uh, take a look at, the incoming, so to speak, the insider threats, what we're looking for, right? Yeah. So How do you do that? Yeah, about, you know, when you when it gets right down to it, people think about computer security as this, as external hackers coming into my network or, or viruses and infecting my machine. And really, when you do the analysis of where the costs come from, 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 from hacks that affect enterprise companies, 80% of the losses result from uh, attacks that can be traced directly to insiders, either malicious insiders or uh, kind of, you know, clueless rule-breaking insiders. So that could be uh, folks that are planning to leave the company and are kind of stealing data. They can be snooping users that are looking at accounts that they shouldn't be looking at. You know, if you're at the IRS and you're snooping into, uh, you know, uh, Jennifer Lopez's tax returns, those kinds of things, just because you can and right. you've got that super user access, that kind of privileged account act um, abuse. Um, and also, of course, stolen shared credentials and, and, and those types of, of accesses. But we found out that by looking at a very specific set of data, access and authentication logs, 
and doing some pretty amazing math on it, you can predict and detect with an astonishing level of certainty insider threats that are underway or about to happen. Yeah, I just got walked through how you do that, and it is pretty uh, clear and logical how you build a baseline, basically, of uh, different access, logins, behavior by company employees. Right. At the heart of it. Right. There's um, user behavior analytics, or UBA, and now sometimes people are calling it UEBA for user entity behavior analytics, because mm -hmm. kind of anything can be a user, right? A machine, an app, a device, or a person. Um, has really came on the scene on the security world just a few years ago. And the first generation was heavily rule-based. You, you wrote very long lists of rules for things that users were allowed and not allowed to do and things that were and were not considered anomalous. Mm -hmm. um, those tools were kind of quirky and They're hard still to around. Out. Those tools are still around. Still yeah. around, but they, they generated quick ROI. Um, which, uh, you know, if you've been in the security game, that's nice because you don't see that a lot. You don't see tools that you deploy showing very quick returns on investment. So they got very fast adoption, and, and UBA platforms um, became very widespread, especially among sophisticated enterprises with SIMs, you know, security information and that management. It's collecting, it's collecting all these... Well, every, all the data, but it's collecting the access logins. Exactly, data, exactly. So you can look at that. Now, the, now since then, uh, some buyer's remorse has set in, and the people that have bought these first-generation systems have found out that, you know, they are kind of a drag on the organization. They, they take a lot of babysitting. They need a lot of attention, and they tend to throw out lots and lots of false positives. So... A second generation of the technology has emerged um, that's represented by Fortscale and, and a few of our other friends in the space that is completely non-rule-based. So our, our system doesn't use rules or rule sets to find anomalies. Instead, what we create is a machine learning system that goes into your environment fairly naive and watches traffic, watches yes. user behavior for a certain amount of time, and then makes decisions on its own yeah, uh, that's whether my or not idea behavior of, is anomalous. Yeah, excuse me, but yeah, that's what I saw in the demonstration. You you look at a set of uh, access data over time, over a period of time, and then you kind of see what is normal behavior, and then by being able to view the normal behavior, you can see when something is anomalous. Right, right. You can. Um, there's a lot of talk about things like behavioral peering. And the problem with that is the, the way we used to do behavioral peering as, as a security community is we would say, um, okay, so these three, four people are in the same department, so they are peers. Or, uh, you know, these people have similar permissions uh, uh, access on the network, so they are peers. Um, but when you look at it from, with blinders on, from, from a machine learning standpoint, those pieces of data actually turn out to be not very relevant and not very predictive mm -hmm. in, in finding insider threats. So when we find, we enable the system to actually determine who's a peer of who by itself, 
you get much more interesting and kind of counterintuitive sets of peers than the system creates. The system decides that um, a certain group of people are peers based solely on the way that they access data or the, or the types of behaviors that they exhibit over the network. And those might not make any sense to you as, uh, say, an HR professional looking at the organization. And trying to write some rules. But when you're trying to be predictive about what is uh, an anomaly that should be paid attention to and what is not, mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense. So uh, you guys are a startup. This is the second generation of this type of technology. We really are at, kind of, is this kind of uh, the very early stages of more machine learning being applied in a more useful way uh, to security in general? Yeah, well, Byron, you've known me for a long time. So. <laughs> I've uh, I've always been the bleeding edge, right? So yes. I was at employee number six at RSA. We were trying to sell public key cryptography when uh, uh, people's networks extended maybe 20 feet down the length of the office, and people would look at us and say, "Why do I need to encrypt something for Doris? She sits over there." Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think that the frontiers of technology and the frontiers of security technology is where the interesting questions and where the interesting work really is. You're right, this is second generation technology which implies that there's gonna be third and fourth generation technology. That's where we see these kind of, um, these, these unexpected advances and these, and these serendipitous synergies just emerge from technologies that come together. So this is where I, I really like to, uh, I really like working with companies like this. And Fortscale is doing some, some really amazing things, mm -hmm. applying solid mathematics to events on internal networks. Well, that's good to hear because I, I'm, I tend to be an optimist and I like to look at the big, try to look at the bigger picture. And so this is another example, I think, of over time, I don't know what the time period is, the gap will start to close a little bit. I think the good guys, as this kind of technology and other different uh, patterns and developments take hold, you know, the good ones will surface and rise and get widely adopted. And hopefully over time, the bad guys won't always keep winning on innovation. Yeah, I think it, it, it's funny. I, I sense that an undercurrent of that, too, at this particular RSA conference. Really? Um, at past conferences, I think... I've sensed a, a kind of a vibe where folks have gotten very cynical, saying we're losing the fight, you know, it's, it's, we're all screwed, we're never going to be able to solve this problem. Okay, well, maybe we're never going to be able to solve the problem, but, but that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for an increased quality of life online, and an increased productivity, letting, letting people use the Internet and and all of the, the degrees of freedom that it affords without limiting them with these artificial security constraints. So, so basically giving them as much freedom as they can possibly have um, to leverage the, the very things that the internet was built for, which is innovation, connection, communication, community. Well, uh, that's well said. Uh, can I quote you on that, Kurt? Please do so. <laughs> and uh, I think we'll end there. Have, keep having fun on the bleeding edge. You're doing good stuff. Oh, my. Thanks. Thanks. Great All to right. see you again, Byron. Thanks.
Take care.